outside the lines Exploring past that few good ever find And takes me into places Where I've never been before And opens doors to worlds outside the lines My Lord colors outside the lines Turns wounds to blessings, water into wine And takes me into places Where I've never been before And opens doors to worlds outside the lines We'll never walk on water if we're not prepared to drown. Body and soul needs a soaking from time to time. And we'll never move the gravestones if we're not prepared to die and realize there are worlds outside the lines. My soul longs to color outside the lines Tear back the curtains, some come in and shine I want to walk beyond the boundaries Where I've never been before Throw open doors to worlds outside the lines We'll never walk on water if we're not prepared to drown. Body and soul need a soaking from time to time. And we'll never move the gravestones if we're not prepared to die and realize there are worlds outside the lines. My soul longs to color outside the lines Tear back the curtains, sun coming and shine I want to walk beyond the boundaries Where I've never been before Throw open doors to worlds outside the May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, Will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, 
For your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our reading is from 1 Peter chapter 3, 8-9. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God.
as I shared earlier, this is my third in a sermon series on the, the spiritual wisdom of Mr. Rogers. And most of my research comes from two places, but then there's other research interspersed in as well. The first one is a book entitled The Simple Faith of Mr. Rogers by Amy Hollinsworth. And the other is the um, documentary that came out about a year ago called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And as I've been praying over the sermon series for the last two months or so, I've been trying to listen to where God is guiding the sermon and where we are supposed to go. And I found that Hollandsworth's book and my personal life intersected in an interesting place. So I'm going to start there. While I was on vacation this summer, I went to my brother and sister-in-law's church to worship with them. And prior to my visit, in the week leading up to our visit, their pastor uh, fell ill, and they had a guest preacher come in to preach, to preach a sermon for their congregation. He had about four days to prepare a sermon to, with the congregation, and he's someone that the congregation knew, so he couldn't just go into his file folder and pull out something that he had used before, because he's preached there so often that He's used all of those. Um, and so I was listening to his sermon, and I was like, okay, all right, I think I get where he's going. He's trying to get from here to here, but I'm not quite sure what the transition was. I'm really confused. Okay, he's got some great general points, but it was a little choppy. And, and those were my thoughts walking out of service. And my sister-in-law goes, what did you think? And I should have said, well, tell me what you thought first which is like pastoral 101. But it was my sister-in-law, so I figured, okay, I'll tell her what I thought. So I outlined everything that I thought. And she goes, oh, he had me in tears. I really loved what he had to say, and I needed to hear it. And I was like, well, now I feel terrible, and I hope I haven't taken away the message of what God has spoken to her this day. I tell you this story because as I was reading Amy Hollinsworth's book, she talks about a time where Mr. Rogers called himself judgmental. And it was only once, which doesn't really surprise me because those aren't the words that we usually attribute with Mr. Rogers. We usually attribute characteristics like merciful, accepting, and tolerant. But he recognized that there was a situation in his life where he was being judgmental and that he regrets that experience. And he tells the story, or he told Hollinsworth the story of being in seminary and doing his course of study. One of the classes that you take is on preaching. It's got this highly technical term called homiletics. And he was encouraged to go listen to as many different preachers as possible to discern, uh, to, to listen to techniques and styles and what worked for that preacher and how they either abided by the rules or went against the rules and how that helped or hindered the sermon. And Mr. Rogers, while he was traveling with some friends, they were in New England, and they said, you know what, there's this really great pastor at this, at this specific church, let's go there. They show up, they're ready to worship, they sit down, only to find that there's a supply pastor. And he goes, okay, well, I've heard some good sermons from supply pastors, let's see what he has to say. And so the pastor is preaching, and Mr. Rogers, while he's sitting in that sermon, is sitting there going, okay, well, he's doing this wrong. He didn't do that. He didn't do this. And is being very critical of the sermon that, that is being preached. And he feels like he has just endured 
something that he wants to critique with his friends afterwards. The service ends, he turns to his friend, and all of a sudden he sees tears coming down this friend's face. And he's like, what's going on? And she said, he said exactly what I needed to hear. And he felt very similarly like he had messed up somewhere along the way. In his mind, the, the sermon didn't measure up, the pastor didn't measure up, and that he was surprised. He realized that there was something different in the way that he approached the worship service and the way that his friend approached the worship service. His friend came in need, and he came in judgment. He recognized that when there is a need and there's a sincerity of heart of the person preaching, that the Holy Spirit will intercede regardless of how the quality of the sermon was. And he went on to consider that and to think about that for the rest of his life. And that experience shaped the ways that he went into the world, the ways in which he chose to interact with children in, his, in the neighborhood. And he, he made a commitment to reserve judgment, and instead he opened himself to the mystery of the holy ground where the Holy Spirit could work in the middle. That experience and the wisdom of one of his beloved professors um, shaped his thoughts because his beloved professor said, you can go into any situation and you can either go in as an accuser or as an advocate. And Fred Rogers became an advocate for those that he met, loving them for who they were so that they would recognize that he was true, being truthful when he says, I like you just the way you are, and encouraging them to grow into their best selves, encouraging them to be more than they were when God met them at a specific place. Hollingsworth frames it in this way. Mr. Rogers believed that feeling as good as possible about God's creation within us creates us to look upon our neighbor with the same sense of wonder and worth. Then, once we are able to see the image of God in our neighbors, once we recognize their inherent value, we strive to help them to become who they are meant to be. She says that Fred summed it up this way, to be able to be accepted for who we are and to be able to grow from there is one of the greatest treasures of life. From then on, he strove to be an advocate in a variety of different ways. He advocated for the need for public television. When he was still new to public access television and he was not well known as most of us know him now, he was not a household name yet, he went before a Senate committee to defend the need for funding for public television. And in 1969, he sat before um, the committee with Senator John Pastore as the, the lead of that committee. And he was trying to make sure that public television got a $20 million grant. Senator Pastore was known for being gruff and terse. And he was getting tired of people coming before him and reading their reports to him. He's like, you've submitted the reports. I promise you I'll read them. I need to hear from you why public television is important and not just hear your reports. Mr. Rogers took in that information and he sat down in front of the group and he said, Senator Pastore, one of the first things I teach children is this message about trust. 
And since you have said that you're going to read this report, I'm not going to read this report to you. It's an ideological report. It talks about all of my reasons for what we do on public television. But I just want to have a conversation. And Senator Pastore, being who he was, was trying to speed the process along. And he was like, if you want to read the report, go ahead and read the report. And Mr. Rogers says, no, I just want to have a conversation. And he can't even finish that before Senator, Senator Pastore interrupts him again. So Mr. Rogers begins to talk. He begins to just explain his experience to, to, to the senator and to the committee. And he gives a message. He talks about how it's important to celebrate the uniqueness of each individual. And he shared how he ended each and every one of his shows. You made this a special day by just being you. There's no person in the whole world like you. And I like you the way you are. Senator Pastore admitted at that point that that was the first time in two days that he had had goosebumps from anything that anyone had said. And Mr. Rogers went on. He went on to talk about the need for public television and the, and the impact that it could make. He talked about his song, What Do You Do With the Mad That You Feel? And he concluded by, by giving the lyrics of the song. And one of the final lines says, you can know that there's something deep inside that happens, that helps us become what we can. <clears throat> Senator Pastore was visibly moved by, by Mr. Rogers' testimony. And he no longer was inclined to interrupt him. And at the end of Mr. Rogers' talk, he said, I think it's wonderful. It's just so wonderful. Looks like you just won that $20 million because of Mr. Rogers' way of sharing and explaining his experience and speaking in a way that was truthful and authentic to who he was. This footage was actually played at Mr. Rogers' funeral. And Hollinsworth was there because she was one of his friends. And she said, watching the footage, you get a sense that what he was doing at the time was taking his own mad his anger at the tenuous nature of public television at the time, and channeling it into an impassioned plea for the young people that he knew comprised the kingdom of God, the helpless, the impressionable, the guileless, those for whom television can either be an advocate or an accuser, those who through television will see either what is good about them or what is bad about them. Mr. Rogers took the scriptures that we read this morning to heart. He listened to how the Holy Spirit was moving, and he didn't respond with the gruff and terse nature of Senator Pastore, but instead listened to the Spirit and talked with authenticity and truth to share what God had placed on his heart. And because he chose to return with a blessing instead of the... The, the venom that he was receiving in return, he won someone over to that argument. Fred Rogers also advocated in a time where our society was, was tense. Um, as the civil rights movement was, was um, in full, full reality, the Civil Rights Act had been passed, but they were still struggling with the issues of integration. And the, the topic that he was struggling with was 
the idea of integration of pools and how people were responding to the integration of pools, of when black people would go into a pool that once used to once be for whites only, owners of that pool would go in and bleach the water or members of the community would bleach the water to say that we need to purify this because somehow black people had made the, the pool unclean for other people until we, we bleach it out. And Fred Rogers said, I need to do something about this. And he advocated for integration in subtle ways to children because they probably didn't get the message. But the parents quite possibly saw what Mr. Rogers was doing as he had a, a um, kiddie pool in front of him and he was cooling off his feet uh, on one of the episodes of his show. Along comes Officer Clemens, who happens to be an African-American man, and he invites him to sit down and cool his feet. Officer Clemens was hesitant at first and said, I don't have a towel, I need to, you know, this might not be a good idea. And Mr. Rogers continues to persuade him to sit down and wash his feet, or to cool his feet in, in the pool. Eventually, Officer Clemens does do this, and they have a pleasant conversation, and everything is okay, and Mr. Rogers is trying to subtly and not so subtly say, this is something that should not be an issue. Um, and he was making a statement. That statement he continued to live into. Uh, Francois Clemens, who was the, the living person who, who was acting as Officer Clemens, had his own personal struggles trying to figure out who he was and recognize who he was as a beloved child of God. And he was on the show on a regular basis. And regardless of the number of times he heard the, I like you just the way you are, it took multiple years for that message to sink in. And one day at the end of the show, as Mr. Rogers says that, Francois Clemens looks at him and says, were you talking to me? And he said, yes, I've been talking to you this whole time. I'm so glad that you're finally able to hear the message. I'm so glad that you're finally at a place that you can recognize that I truly like you the way you are. From that point on, Francois Clemens said that Fred Rogers became like a, a surrogate father to him, someone that helped him navigate the realities of life and to see how he lived in the world and have support. 24 years later, in Francois Clemens' final episode on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, they reenacted that scene of sharing the kiddie pool. But at that time, instead of there being a conversation about if I have a towel or not, when it was time to take their feet out of the water, Mr. Rogers knelt down and dried off Officer Clemens' feet. An act of washing the feet similar to Jesus washing the disciples' feet, saying, you are beloved. I want to be a servant to you so that you can go forward and be a servant to others. It was a beautiful message that reminds us again, about that belovedness, that wisdom, that beauty. And in that episode, Francois Clemens, who was an operatic singer, took time to sing a song that, that was about the many ways to say I love you. And taking the time to serve someone else is that amazing way. 
Amy Hollingsworth in her book says that Fred's intention was never to impose his, his beliefs on his viewers. Instead, he wanted to create an atmosphere, one that would allow viewers to feel safe and accepted. Once the viewers experienced that unconditional acceptance, Fred reasoned that they could grow from there. Fred sometimes referred to his program as tending soil. His role was to provide the soil, and he relied on the Holy Spirit to turn it into holy ground. That's exactly what he did time and time again. He tended the soil to let his viewers and a nation, possibly even a world of people, know that they, that we, that you are loved, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, and that you are liked just the way you are. But he also challenged them and us to know that there is more learning and growing yet to do. We are encouraged to, to strive to seek how we might be advocates and ambassadors to a world, to shine God's light differently so that people might know that they are of worth, that God is meeting them where they are at and encouraging us to grow into who we are, are to be. As God covers us with his steadfast love, we are encouraged to color outside those lines uh, and to see how we might make God's kingdom true and relevant and credible to all so that they, everyone knows that they're loved just the way they are. Amen. Amen.